time to check in with the Vancouver Suns, Von Palmer. Good morning to you. Good morning, Jill. We are talking ICBC and the rate freeze. Yes, we hear that uh, ICBC is going to be, uh, the government says, ICBC is going to be applying for a freeze in basic rates next year. Now, that word applying suggests that the actual approval is somewhat in doubt because it means you apply to the Independent BC Utilities Commission and let them, because they're independent, decide whether the rate increase is affordable or the freeze in this case is affordable. And if it's done independently, then the public is assured that an independent body uh, has approved the freeze and that it's not just playing politics with the Crown Corporations, which is something the New Democrats deplored in opposition and also, Jill, something they've not hesitated to do when they got into government. Hmm, interesting. So uh, do you think, uh, and again, looking ahead to, to what they're announcing, it seems like it would be a done deal or they're pretty confident given that they're all joining together and making this announcement today. Yeah, they're confident. And again, you know, I go back uh, five years, uh, John Horgan, very early in his time as premier, he announced that uh, there was going to be a freeze on BC hydro rates. And in those days, the New Democrats believed in letting the, the Independent Utilities Commission decide whether the decision was, was affordable. And the commission came back and said no, and there was no freeze. And the New Democrats expressed horrible disappointment that the public was so badly served. And they kind of broke with their policy after that. So look what's happened this year. Remember the ICBC rate back, rebate back in the spring to help us cover the cost of the rising price of gasoline. You got a, a hundred bucks. Well, the cabinet announced that was going to happen. They ordered the ICBC board to approve it. And they also passed a cabinet order ordering the Independent Utilities Commission to approve it. No questions asked. So, obvious political interference, the money did go through. And you may remember as well, Jill, that on his first day as Premier, David Eby announced a BC Hydro credit. But he didn't leave it to the Utilities Commission to decide whether that was affordable. The Cabinet ordered the Utilities Commission to approve it, and they also ordered the Utilities Commission to cover off the cost with one of those deferral accounts. So, Mark me down as a skeptic. I've seen plenty of inter political interference in these crown corporations this year. It'll be interesting to see whether this political decision is actually submitted to independent review by the Utilities Commission and whether they let the commission make up its mind on whether or not it's affordable. Yeah, I mean, the obvious question there is, what's the point of having this so-called independent commission if you don't like the answer, you're just going to order it to well, do what you want anyway? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's exactly it. And, you know, as somebody who's covered this for a while, I'm compelled to remind the listener that the Liberals promised exactly the same thing when they were in opposition. Uh, they were going to let the Crown Corporations, the commercial ones, so Hydro and BC uh, and ICBC, make these decisions on a business case, not 
politically interfere. And that lasted for a while, and then the Liberals started using ICBC, as, a, as, a, as David Eby put it, as a, as a cash machine. They started raiding ICBC's reserves, and they started ordering BC Hydro to park a whole bunch of its costs in deferral accounts. And what deferral means, Jill, is simply that you don't pay for it now, you make ratepayers pay for it in the future. So it's not just the New Democrats that have picked up the bad habit. They kind of borrowed it from the liberals. But still, I mean, if it's if it's really affordable, then the Utilities Commission should be allowed to decide the rate freeze independently and tell us after a proper review. And then we can be sure that it's, as I say, affordable and not just a political stunt to build support for the premier for the early election that he claims not to be planning. <laughs> well, that was my next question. How does all of this play into the possibility of an election that is not going to be held on the set election date? Yeah, no, it's not happening. And uh, that's right out, according to the premier. And look, uh, that's, of course, as we all remember, exactly what John Horgan said up until the day he called it. Look, I, the exercise that's going on here is about doing what you can to build political momentum and approval for the government. The New Democrats under John Horgan had a paradoxical approval rating. The public told pollsters they were not happy with what the government was doing on affordability, on housing affordability especially, on cost of living, on public safety, on waiting for family doctors and health care. So that's what the polls said. But the polls also said that people still had confidence in John Horgan and they liked John Horgan. So the, the short-term political goal for David Eby and his team in the Premier's office, they're all moving in, is to see if they can duplicate that. If they can persuade the public that even though John Horgan isn't at the helm anymore, the government is still on, uh, the new premier still deserves confidence for working on these problems and producing some progress, even if obviously they're not going to be solved overnight. So it's all about momentum building. I don't think there'll be serious discussion of the possibility of an early election until sometime next year. I do think they will have a go at doing it, but you know, part of that problem, Jill, is if the polling numbers don't materialize, there's no way you're going to go to an early election. No, exactly. And and it's also, isn't it kind of banking on people forgetting uh, if you were angry at John Horgan for calling that election during uh, where we were at the pandemic at that yeah. point? A lot of people questioning, was it necessary? Would they not be, and again, depending on the timing, would they not be questioning that again? Yeah, I mean, I went back, you're right, Jill, I went back and read the, the media transcripts of those first few days of Horgan's early election call. And all the questions were around, were skeptical questions from reporters. Why are you doing this? The public doesn't want this, all that, right? And he gave his answers for them. I didn't find them very plausible. But look, after you're into the campaign, the public turns its mind to, well, if we're having an election, who am I going to vote for? And the big question in 2020, in September 2020, was, do you really want to change governments in the middle of a pandemic? And looking back on that, I covered that election. 
Joe, the BC Liberals made the answer to that question very easy. They ran a terrible campaign under a weak leader. So, you know, that's the other thing you always look at. Uh, One of the great comments of Mike Harcourt during his time as Premier was, in order to win a BC election, you don't need to be a 10. If your opponent's a 2, you only need to be a 3. Well... Part of that was, uh, and, and John Horgan was a lot more than a three, but part of that was the story of 2022. But yeah, I mean, the, the thing you're always trying to do, I think, in government is to create the winning conditions. It may not lead to an early election, but the only way you're going to have an early election is if you begin to create those winning conditions. Right. And I would imagine, too, taking a look at voters and fatigue with the rumblings of a potential early federal election, another early provincial one. I mean, at some point, do people not get tired of, well, why do you even have set election dates then? Yeah, that's a good question. I think the voters kind of indicated they don't much care about fixed election dates back in 2020. And I think that's one of the reasons that governments are kind of going, well, you know, why do we, why do we need to stick this thing? All we need to do is say we need a mandate. But, but the first thing you have to do, and I think that's part of today's announcement, is to build that momentum. EB has said repeatedly, there are big problems out there. He's going to try to solve them. He doesn't think that people expect him to solve them overnight. So he's got two years. Well, a voter may look at it and say, actually, you've been in power for five years, and I'm not sure how much patience I have with this, but that's really the area we're maneuvering in. Are they going to be able to show progress over the next few months on affordability, ICBC rate freeze is part of that, on public safety, on healthcare waiting lists and family doctors, and on the other priorities they've laid out already, EB laid out in his cabinet appointments last week and in the mandate letters for all of his ministers. We will have to wait and see what happens. And I know a lot of people will be paying attention to the announcement today. Vaughn, thank you so much. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Bye-bye, Jill.